You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. We just want to welcome those that are tuning in online with us today. Um, So glad that you're joining us this morning and that you're with us. Um, Aren't all of these packages so pretty? Aren't they so Christmassy and festive? This is probably one of my most favorite um, times of the year, Christmas, but probably one of my most favorite um, days of the year is Winter Warmth Sunday. Whenever all of the work's been done, all of the shopping has been done, and all of the packages have been assembled, and we just get to see what is fixing to be taken out into our community. Yeah, so um, what I want to do today um, is I, want, I, want, I wanted April to stick around for just a second because we want to talk about what we're doing um, and give you an opportunity to give. And so we're going to ask you to give today towards Winter Warmth, and we're going to ask those who are watching online to do the same and give you an opportunity to do that here in just a second. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about why we do this and what we've actually done. And so uh, April actually... We were in some uh, staff planning meetings 11 years ago, and we were talking about how it is that we can reach in the community. One of the things that we just have a huge um, heart for is our purpose as a church is to help people discover God's grace, continue to grow in their faith so that we can all reach into this community and the surrounding communities, right? And so we were talking about how to actually do that. And so tell everybody a little bit of how Winter Warmth was actually born. Well, I actually worked for uh, the school district for one year, and then I retired um, for the, from the school district. Um, and it was good for all the children. It was good for all the children that I retired. Um, but when I worked at the school district 11 years ago, um, you know, that was the, the Christmas or the winter that we had like 19 below wind chills. And I was at Morningside, and we had lots of um, refugee kiddos that were coming to school in flip-flops and little bitty jackets and no hats, no gloves, you know, no shoes that walked to school. Um, and man, as we just began to see these kiddos come in, it was like, we, we've got to do something. And um, so I called Jory and was like, this is what's going on. And he was like, hey, why don't you, you know, take, uh, go to Walmart, buy shoes, buy socks, you know, buy what's ever needed for these kiddos. And we were just able to touch just a small portion of the kids at that school. And then after it was all said and done, realized that's just one school of how many in Dumas. And so um, we started the Winter Warmth Project. Um, And so we actually partner with um, the schools and we partner with the school nurses for them to identify those kiddos that um, do not have adequate shoes, clothing, um, we tried to do coats at first, but realized there was already an, organi- an organization in town that was doing coats, um, but nobody was doing the shoes, the pants, the shirts that they could wear to school, and so we decided to um, or approach the school if they could identify kiddos in their schools that were in need um, and get us that information. So when we shop for these kiddos, we don't know a name. We've never seen these kids. Each student has a number, and, you know, we have their sizes and their gender, and we go shop for each one of these kiddos, and each kiddo gets a brand-new pair of tennis shoes. They get two brand-new pairs of jeans and two brand-new collared shirts that they can wear to school. 
Yeah, and so it's been a wonderful thing that's kind of grown and evolved over the years. Um, special thanks uh, that we'd like to make to Addison's Christmas. Trace and Jenna Ulrich do a great job. They bring the fun stuff that, that, that's put in here. And so for the grade school kids, they get some toys. For the high school and junior high kids, they, this year they got some van backpacks that are pretty awesome so cool. with toboggans and blankets. And so they do a great job. Also this year, StoryBridge, this year and last year, both StoryBridge dropped books in all of the grade school bags, all the kids that are in elementary age um, at campuses. Um, so they're, they're all going to get some books as well. And so it's just been really awesome to see the community come together around what was kind of born 11 years ago. And so one of the things as we ask you to give towards this is people don't give um, for any other reason than that something actually matters. Um, I, I really do believe that. And that's one of the things April and I were talking about this weekend. And so I want you to kind of say, I want you to, if you can, convey for everybody why this matters. Um, well, just to echo what Jory said, you know, we, we do, we give to what matters. We give our time and we give our finances. And um, last Sunday, after we had had our packing party, all of these bags were in the chairs, and we had all of the clothes in here, and StoryBridge had come in, and they had, you know, put books in there. Addison's Christmas hadn't put their stuff in quite yet, but I was the only one here, and I was just being obsessive and obsessing over everything, and I was going through just counting the bags one more time to make sure that nobody <clears throat> was overlooked. And I could just hear the Lord say that we may just have a number for each one of these kids, but he knows every single one of their names and he knows every single one of their circumstances. And so these kids matter to him. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they should matter to us. And so as I picked up um, paperwork from schools, again, like I said, we don't get names or, or any of that kind of information, but you know, some of the stories that I heard about the kiddos, you know, that we shopped for this year are just, we have, you know, young boys, junior high and high school boys that are going to school in girls' jeans because that's all they have. There was a kiddo at one of the campuses whenever they went to try to identify his shoe size, said there was this big old knot at the ends of both of his shoes. And so whenever he took his shoes off, they were trying to, you know, see what size shoe he needed to have. And his shoes were probably a, a whole size too small. And so his, his toes were curled up so that he could even put the shoes on his feet. And that's how he walked around school all day. And then there was another little kiddo who's literally the tops of his shoes where the toes were, were completely gone. The bottoms were almost completely worn off. And whenever this kiddo had been identified that he needed some new tennis shoes and some new clothes, and he came down to the nurse's office. The nurse was getting his sizes and telling him, you know, what he had been, um, uh, what they were wanting to do for him. Um, the young man just said, oh, miss, I don't need this. There's probably somebody else that needs it worse than I do. And, um, man, that just, it gets me right in my feelings um, in that. They're, these stories that are represented up here and these kiddos and these families um, really are in need. And what an honor it is to be able to, in a very small way, get to be a part of their story and get to minister to them this Christmas. 
Yeah. So what we want to do is uh, I want to ask you to give to this. We're going to fix and pass some buckets. Um, you can give in several different ways, okay? And so if you would like to do this, let me tell you a little bit about what it costs to put this on. And so it costs right around $100 per package. And so we have 176 kids that we're ministering to this year, so you can kind of do the math. Uh, we have a budget just for GTF's portion of this of $17,600. Um, now, just for full disclosure, uh, if you were here last year, you know we, we raised more than we actually needed last year. So we actually were carrying into this winter warmth season $8,000 that was given last year through everybody's generosity. And so thank you guys so much. So you can kind of do the math. And what I would just encourage you to do as a family, we've done this every single year, is we sponsor a kid. And so we, did, we give $100. If you can't do $100, no big deal. Do 25, do 10, do whatever it is that you can. Because as we're going to kind of dig into God's word this morning, you're going you're to be able to see this. This is part of us preaching the gospel. It's not good enough to just say that Jesus cares and that he loves you and that he wants to save you from your circumstance. He expects us to actually go do it. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to give towards what it is that God's doing in these kids' life. And, and so we're fixing to pass some buckets. If you need to go home and pray about what you need to do, you can give online or through text. Uh, if you have a bulletin, um, do we have that information that we can flash up there real quick? If not... Um, uh, we'll, we'll, if you're listening online uh, or watching online, then, you, then they're going to drop that information in the comments. Um, there's the text information. You can also go to mygtf.org um, and give there. If you have a bulletin, all that information is at the bottom of your bulletin. You can grab that on your way out. And so what I want to ask you to do is just uh, we're going to pray over these, pray about what it is that you and your family would like to do in order to touch these kids' lives, and then give, okay? And so if you would, just bow your head with me. Father God, we just thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to minister to these young people and these, these little kids in our community. I pray, Father, that as this week they receive these packages, that, they would, that, that the love of Jesus Christ would invade their hearts. And I pray, God, that as just as April was talking about, each one of these packages have numbers, and these numbers represent a name. Lord, I just, as I see these packages, I see kids. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would pursue them that you would pursue them fiercely, God, with your love, and that they would know that their community loves them, that there's a church in town that loves them, and that their, their creator loves them. And so we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have some ushers, or actually, no, what's gonna happen is there's a bucket at the end of your aisle, so if you'll reach down there, and their, our ushers are actually gonna come by and collect those, so they should land in these two aisles right here, guys. Yeah. Again, thank you for your giving. If you want to give later on, you can continue to do that online or through text. And we really do appreciate everything that you're doing to help us do Winter Warmth. While we're, we're kind of finishing up, I got a question for you this, this morning. Have you ever wondered why it is... Oh. Have you ever wondered why it is that so much charity work is done at Christmas time? Have you ever thought about that? How much... 
goes on in our country to minister to people who have needs, specifically from the, from the point of Thanksgiving, this, this time on our calendar in the United States, from Thanksgiving to Christmas that we call the holidays, where we minister to people's needs. And the thing that I want you to see, and this is going to kind of lead us into today's message, is it's because uh, ministering to the poor is fundamental to the gospel. Not only that... Ministering to the poor is fundamental to the message of Christmas. I started a series last week titled Jesus, and in this series, I'm encouraging us to make Jesus the focal point of our Christmas. It's kind of hard to do that sometimes, but what we celebrate at Christmas time is the fact that the Messiah, the one that many, many people who, who have gone before us were yearning to see, he was born 2,000 years ago. The community of faith, our community of faith should celebrate that and we should allow it to impact our lives. Amen? And so I'm just encouraging you last week to in some way make Jesus the focal point of, our, of your holiday, to make Jesus the focal point of your Christmas. One of the things that we love about winter warmth is for us and our household, for our family and our kids growing up doing this, it gives us an opportunity to talk about how ministering to people's needs, ministering to the poor, it is actually an extension, it's a fulfillment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what I did last week was he talked about the government shall be on Jesus' shoulders. But today what I want to do is I want to show you from God's word how ministering to the poor is fundamental to the message of Christmas specifically. And so if you have your Bibles, turn them to Luke chapter 2. This is probably the most well-known Christmas message in the Bible. It's the one, you know, that, uh, that, that Linus talked about in Charlie Brown. It's the one that, that we read a lot in our house around Christmas time. And so I want to read it together this morning. Luke chapter 2 is the story of the birth of Christ. And it says this in verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has, who he is pleased and whom he, with whom he is pleased. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. That was the proclamation of these angels 
to these shepherds. Now, this is the thing I want to do today is I want to focus on that proclamation. Verse 10, specifically. The proclamation that these angels made to these shepherds is a proclamation that has been echoing for 2,000 years and we celebrate even today. Amen? This proclamation is the Christmas message. It's a well-known Christmas message. But the Christmas message that we're talking about is a message that is the gospel message. The Christmas message, this message that we're talking about and we're reading this morning, is actually not just the gospel, but it is directed to the poor. It's something that was proclaimed to people who are in poverty. And as we talk about poor people today, I don't mean any respect, disrespect by that. I don't mean to, to offend anybody, but here's the thing that I want you to understand is poverty is a real thing. You know, the definition of being poor, the definition of being impoverished is this. It's the state of not having enough material possessions or income for a person's basic needs. You basically need more than you have. I don't know if you've ever been in a place or position in your life whenever you've been impoverished, but I want you to understand it gives me some comfort and some encouragement that God doesn't turn a blind eye to poverty. See, a lot of times we don't want to talk about poor people. A lot of the times we don't want to talk about poverty because it's uncomfortable. By the way, nobody likes to be called poor, do they? Here's the thing about poverty in the Bible is God does not turn a blind eye to it. He sees it and he even proclaims that, hey, if there's anybody out there that wants to minister to this thing in the earth, I will bless you. This is what Proverbs 19 says. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. Proverbs 22.9 says the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Here's the thing that, that just strikes me is every single person, if you haven't been in a position where you need something, should know what it feels like to be poor. And I'm going to show you that to you as we go throughout this message. But I can remember a moment in my life, there's actually several moments, but I'm, I'm going to focus on one. Whenever it's like I had more need than I had provisions to meet my needs. April and I were young and we were married and we, were, we had three little kids and things were just tight. I mean, we had a house, we had two cars. By any standard of, uh, of anywhere else in the world, we were pretty wealthy, okay? But in standard of the United States, we were struggling at that point in time. We had two kids that, were, that had extended NICU stays, and so that was expensive. We had extra medical expenses, not just you know, normal pregnancy expenses. And I can remember there was this, this month that came that we got this absorbent gas bill. And this utility bill came in, and, and it's like we, we had a budget, you know, and we kind of budgeted what our normal bills were. And this was like three times what it normally was. And I can remember it just like, for us, it's like we, we could buy groceries and we could buy clothes. But it's like we were, on, we were living paycheck to paycheck, and we had a really tight budget. And so whenever this bill came in, it was one of those things that's like, I don't know how we're going to pay this. It was that tight. And I can remember April and I talking about it, and we prayed about it, and we were just expecting God to come through and help us with the need that we have that was right before us. Has anybody ever been in that position before? It's a humbling position. 
And I can remember as April and I were kind of wrestling with this bill and being young, and it's like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. It's like we didn't work the normal job where you go get, pick up an extra shift or anything like that. And so it's like we're just actually expecting God to come through. And I can remember we mentioned it some, to some family members just kind of sharing our worry. And I can remember those family members, they helped us. They wrote us a check, and they're like, and this is kind of crass, but they said, hey, we really felt like God wanted to help, you, help give you some gas relief. And they, and they was like, okay, that's weird, but thank you. And, and that's all we could say was thank you. But listen, there's this, this thing inside of me that was really humbled, honestly, a little bit ashamed. That we were in that position that we didn't have enough provisions to meet the need that was right in front of us. But listen, ministering to the poor at Christmas is the embodiment of the gospel. It is the character of God to see the poverty of others and to touch their need. And he earnestly desires to see that characteristic in his people. Now, back to the, the message of Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The message of Christmas is the gospel message. I want you to, to um, look at the screen. I'm going to show you Isaiah chapter 61. And I want you to see this. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. He says this in Isaiah 61. This is a messianic prophecy that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 was fulfilled in him. That he came and he fulfilled this prophecy. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now Jesus came for many different reasons. As you can kind of read through there, he came and fulfilled many things and many needs in your life and in my life. But one of the things that Jesus said that he came to do was to preach good news to the poor. Now, if you'll remember the angel's proclamation to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. It says, today I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now that word, good news, that phrase good news in Luke chapter 2 is in the Greek, gospel. And one of the things that happens whenever you see this, this word or this phrase in the New Testament is it, it doesn't only imply that there's something good that needs to be proclaimed. It implies that you need to proclaim it. Have you ever gotten really great news? I mean, like really, really great news that you couldn't keep to yourself. You had to tell everybody else. You got a raise. You got an answer to prayer. It's like you're, you're, you're expecting and we've been wanting a baby for a long time. Have you ever gotten that good news and you feel that thing inside of you that's about to explode if you don't go tell somebody? You ever been there? That is the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, there's good news to proclaim that Jesus Christ has come. But there's also the everyday good news that you have, that there's something good that has happened to you that you've got to share with somebody else. See, the thing about this proclamation that Jesus made in Isaiah chapter 61, and this proclamation that these angels made to these shepherds in the field, was that they had to come bring it. They had to proclaim it. It's like we couldn't keep this to ourselves. And I want you to think about the, it, it, maybe we've read this story too many times to really, um, to, to appreciate this. But these shepherds are out in the field and angels show up. And basically what they say is, hey, we have such great news for the whole world, we couldn't hold it back. We had to come tell somebody. Today, do you know what's happening in that town over there? A savior is born for all the people. 
That is the meaning of the gospel. Whenever you see that phrase gospel, it means that there's good news that is so great it's bursting from somebody's soul. They can't help but tell somebody. And so as you see this, what I want you to see is that the Christmas message is a gospel message. It's good news. That's why this, this holiday is, is, is surrounded by joy and celebration because it's good news. Ministering to the poor at Christmas is the embodiment of the gospel. It's the character of God to see the poverty that's around us and to touch the need in people's lives. And he longs for that characteristic to be in you and in me. Now, it's extremely encouraging whenever I read that. Because whether you want to admit it or not, we are all born into helpless poverty in the economy of heaven. I want you to turn over somewhere in the Bible with me. Look at 1 John chapter 1. What I want you to see is not only is the Christmas message a gospel message, but the Christmas message is directed to the poor. That's the audience of the Christmas message in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Now, you're there in 1 John chapter 1, but I want to read you a verse from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he just begins to drop truth bombs. Okay, And one of the truth bombs that he drops is this in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to let that just kind of settle on your heart. Because as Jesus dropped that truth to the audience that was listening to him, I want you to see a couple, notice a couple things. Is that number one, it's a blessing to be spiritually impoverished, to be spiritually poor. Now, Jesus does not say that it's a blessing to be poor. Amen? I have not met anybody who is living in abject poverty that enjoys it. Not one person. As a matter of fact, I would say that they shouldn't enjoy it. See, what Jesus said is, you are blessed whenever you recognize that you are spiritually impoverished. Now, the other thing that I want you to see about this truth in, in Matthew chapter 5 is that the spiritually rich cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, understand the context of what Jesus is talking about is spiritual condition, the economy of heaven. He's not talking about your bank account. He's not talking about how much cash you have in your wallet. He's not talking about the currency that you and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. He's talking about the currency of the kingdom of heaven. And what he's saying is that if you recognize that you are spiritually bankrupt, you're in a really great place. However, the adverse to that is true in the New Testament. That if you are spiritually wealthy, meaning you can take care of your own spiritual need then you actually cannot lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. See, only spiritually impoverished people can inherit the kingdom. Now, I want to show you this in 1 John chapter 1. Because John, the apostle, says, it, says the same truth this way. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Look at verse 10. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Here's the thing about being spiritually wealthy. Let's just kind of flip that upside down for just a second. Being spiritually rich is the opposite of being poor, right? Our definition of poverty earlier is that you have more needs than you have provisions. And the, the, the opposite is true about being rich is that you have more provisions than you actually have needs, right? Well, whenever you take that into a spiritual context, spiritual wealth is nothing more than self-righteousness. You're able in your eyes to meet your own spiritual debts. I don't know if you think that you do so much good and you're such a great person that it outweighs your negatives. But listen, what Jesus and the Apostle John are trying to communicate to you and I is if that's the place that you believe that you are, the truth is not in you. Every single person that is in this room, every single person that is watching online is actually in the place of being spiritually impoverished. The Christmas message is not only the gospel message, the Christmas message is directed to poor people, to you and to me. See, the angel, whenever he says he brings good news for all the people, he was preaching to poor people. Whenever Jesus proclaimed that he, come, he has come to bring good news to the poor, he was preaching to you and I. See, every single person on this planet does not have what they need to satisfy their spiritual debt. We all are in a place, we can all relate from a spiritual point of view. We can all relate with what it means to not have enough to meet the need that's before us spiritually. So this is the thing that, that I want you to see is the reason ministering to the poor is fundamental to the message of Christmas is because it helps us. It helps you and it helps me. It helps my kids. It helps us remember that we are utterly and completely lost in spiritual poverty without Jesus. The God of the universe, he saw our need that we couldn't ever under any, circumstances, under any circumstances, meet on our own, and he sent a Savior who would fill the gap and satisfy the need for our atonement. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that in the Christmas message before, but I, I hope that you never read these verses or hear these words again and allow that to just kind of escape your mind. The words in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, whenever it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, as we talk about Winter Warmth Sunday and we talk about helping some kids, I hope that we don't get this kind of yucky pity in our heart. Because one of the things that I hope happens as you help people who have needs is that you remember that Jesus satisfied the need that you had. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed to put my faith in a Savior, and that is the Christmas message. Today, a Savior has been born for you. Have you gotten to the place in your life where you've allowed him to pay your debts? 
If you would stand with me this morning. Ask the worship team to come up and we're going to celebrate communion here in just a second. If you need some elements, if you'll just raise your hand and we have some ushers that'll be glad to get you some. And if you can, just give me your attention for a few more seconds as we kind of move around and we transition a little bit. But I don't want you to miss this, this opportunity. As we have a focus today of, of helping some students in our school district with some needs, I definitely want you to give towards Winter Warmth and, and would be delighted for you to do that. But I, I just really want you to focus this morning on your need before we leave. And if you're at a place in your life where you know that you know that you know that you have not allowed Jesus to pay your spiritual debt for you, don't allow this opportunity to pass you by. Because every single one of us have been born into abject spiritual poverty and Jesus is the only one who can meet that need in our lives. So I wanna ask you to just bow your head. I wanna ask everybody who's here in the building with us and everybody who's watching online and if you're in a place where you'd say, I need Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity right now to invite him to come be your savior. That is the Christmas message that today, the day that we celebrate at Christmas, December 25th, there's a moment on the calendar that we celebrate the reality that a Savior was born and given for you, given for me. And if today's the day that you want to make Jesus Christ the Savior of your life, your Lord, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. If you're listening online, I want to encourage you to send us a direct message. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to reach out to you and, and see if there's any way that we can help you in your relationship with Jesus in the coming days. Father God, I just thank you so much for every single person who is, who is making a spiritual transaction with you. And I ask God that you would make yourself known to them. Lord, just like you sent angels to proclaim this message to shepherds 2,000 years ago, Lord, would you begin to move heaven and earth to show these people, to show every single person who's listening right now your love and your care and how much it is that you want to be the Savior of their life. We ask you that today in Jesus' name. Amen.